When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in. GC Live. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark, as always, presented by Clint Hammond. He is the branch manager at the Columbia Mortgage Network right over there across from Dreher High School. Give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933, clinthammond.com. The housing market still on fire. So if you're looking to buy, um, move fast. I can tell you that. Or if you just want to refinance, maybe lock in a little bit lower interest rate. In some cases, a much lower interest rate. You can save yourself some money. Give Clint a call. And then uh, once you save that money, come sign up to GameCockCentral.com. Just $10 a month or $100 for a year. And uh, you're going to save much more than that, uh, more than likely. So check it out. Give Clint a shout. ClintHammond.com, your branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network and actually one of the top mortgage brokers in the entire United States. So appreciate Clint. Appreciate everybody joining us here on the show. A uh, pretty eventful weekend for South Carolina sports, Chris. And, dude, pretty po- pretty positive weekend, I-, I must say. If you look at, um, you know, we-, we generally talk, what, football, baseball, basketball on Gamecock Central the most. And South Carolina baseball with a big sweep over Kentucky. We're going to talk about that here in a second. They get some good news on Friday about the potential to still host and uh, on Saturday afternoon, uh, Kwan Banks, three-star defensive back from Florida, uh, someone we, we waited on quite a bit, <laughs> uh, Tallahassee, Florida, Godby High School. The kid, basically when Shane Beamer tweeted, welcome home, and we started scrambling, not this Saturday, the Saturday before, it was to the private commitment of Kwan Banks, he makes the public commitment on Twitter, on Instagram, on Saturday afternoon, and the Gamecocks go back into Florida after losing a Florida commitment. And Anthony Rose, they add one uh, officially on Saturday afternoon. Chris, yeah, really good weekend for the Gamecocks, and obviously, you know, I'll, I'll start Wes. I know we're going to get into Banks a good bit. He is, after all, sort of the lead of the show, I guess you could say. Got his. Got his face up there on the graphic that you created for GC Live on social and on the site. But uh, huge series win. I mean, we talked about this with Colin. Been talking to him about it for several weeks. In fact, that all the series are so important for baseball from here on out. But now that you're really down to the end of the season, Carolina barely makes that cut, we think, for you know the top 20 for the, for the regional hosts. It was a surprise even to some people like Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball mentioned that that was a surprise that South Carolina was included. But guess what? They were included. So they've done enough to get in that conversation. Now it's about staying in it and seeing if they can lock down one of the 16. So what do they have to do down the stretch? Win as many games as they possibly can. Can't do much better than they did on that front. Uh, they, they go down and they sweep Kentucky. They do it in impressive fashion. Wes, great pitching. Brett Carey going full Maddox, 
in uh, game two. And then obviously game three, they get out to a great start. The bats wake up really for the whole weekend, get off to a great start. Kentucky comes back, loads the bases, I think a couple different times, but they were able to get out of that trouble pretty consistently, limit the damage there and, and come away with a game three win to get the sweep. So now App State, very winnable midweek. You got to go take care of that. Obviously, a huge series with Tennessee, who narrowly lost a series to Arkansas. That's going to be a massive challenge. But, uh, again, a great result for baseball this weekend. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, and we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper here as the show goes on. And uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about Banks. I, I know you you talked to his coach. We've got a, a story where he goes in-depth uh, about Banks and really what he's meant uh, both on the field and off the field to uh, to that team to that community to that program etc uh, so I, I would encourage everybody if you are a subscriber go check that out on our front page the coach's corner um, with the god be head coach there but you know I, I think Chris the first thing that stands out and we're gonna we're gonna pop the film up here in a second with, with Banks is that uh, he, he's a multi-positional and multi-sport person uh, you know athletically if you zoom out you see football player basketball player, track guy, um, as I'll get you to go into detail with here in a moment, um, good in the classroom as well. So sort of uh, multidimensional as far as all that stuff goes. But then if you zoom in on the football side, cornerback, nickelback, safety, special teams, uh, he's a guy that does a, a little bit of everything, is just a, a playmaker for his team. If you if you pull up his, his highlights, the very first clip, is of him returning a kickoff. So, you know, I, I think um, I think as far as the ranking goes right now, he you know, three-star kid, I think that's probably about right. Uh, but I also think this is this is the type of kid, if you're going to start to try to continue to break back into Florida, we know that Torian Gray has a lot of ties there from his time coaching at the University of Florida, then uh, this is the type – this is the type of kid – that you want to build your roster around and build the depth of your roster. Um, good kid, dedicated kid, solid football player, and uh, really that can do a bunch of different things for you once you get them in. And as we've seen, if you, uh, especially if you, if you don't have a lot of depth, having a guy that can that can do multiple things for you is uh, is always a, a big deal. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, as you turn on the highlights here, Wes, you, you, as you mentioned first plays and kick return. You're going to see on his film, you know, playing a variety of spots, playing special teams, uh, I think catching some passes at receivers. So he can do a lot. And one thing that I didn't realize is, um, you know, his, his high school coach, Brandon McRae, who he's been around that community in that, in that area for a long time. And he uh, he was the offensive line coach, actually. Guy being was promoted to the permanent head coaching position, which is great for him. Um, but he's he's been around Kawan a long time, knows a lot of people around the community. And said that he was sort of a Pop Warner legend around there was was Kwan Banks. And the thing that really stood out to me, you know, he had a lot of good stuff to say about Kwan as a player and work ethic and all that. But he described him as a, as a game changer for the community, he said, as someone that, you know, people can look up to around there. Uh, Godby is actually situated in the in the lowest income zip code in the state of Florida, um, according to his high school coach. And so, with Banks, you've got a guy that Wes has a 3.8 GPA, as you mentioned, three-sport athlete, really good football player. So, um, you know, he, he he's done quite well for himself just in terms of 
you know, sort of embodying that student athlete thing. But when you, when you turn on the film and you watch him play, uh, he's not the biggest kid in the world. Rivals actually has him listed at 5'9", 177. And I would assume that that is a Rivals camp measurement, uh, which they, they normally take. They normally update the profile of that. But you see he's got some – actually has a pretty good frame on him. He's got some thickness. He's not slight at all. He looks he's thicker a, than that, doesn't he? He does. He looks even thicker than that. And honestly, look, doesn't, you know, look – he looks a, a hair taller than 5'9 to me, but that's just me. But uh, a willing tackler – a guy with range, obviously you see him doing a variety of things, good ball skills, um, can play a lot of different things. I, I'm almost more intrigued by him, Wes, as a safety or a nickel. I think he could play corner, uh, but he's almost a guy that you, you could fit in a different a number of different spots. So I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by him as a nickel because from a size standpoint, he, could, he can match up with slot-type guys, but he's also physical enough to play in the alleys and things like that for you. Yeah, I, nickel is sort of what popped in my head, man. Just, um, you know, he, he's got some playmaking just knack to him. And, you know, I, I think you start talking about SEC safeties, he, you know, he's going to – and who knows, if you know, as far as that weight, is it an updated measurement or not? Like, like we said, dude, he looks a good bit thicker than that to me just based on eye test. But – you know, to be an SEC safety, you're going to need some size on you to hold up in that league. Um, yep. Obviously, the big trend with cornerbacks is, uh, you know, is length on the outside. So, to me, when I when I look at him and all the different things he can do, um, just that he looks very comfortable uh, sideline to sideline. He looks very comfortable uh, going deep on the ball. He looks very comfortable uh, in the box. To me, that, that probably screams nickel as well, and I, I think that's probably the best fit for him. You see him making another special teams play. But, um, again, I, I think just one of those kids, he's the type of guy uh, that you you want in your program and I, I think probably fits the the culture they're trying to build. He, You know, I, I really like the way his coach explained it. And he said, look, this is a kid that has just had a plan. Like, he, he's had a plan. It sounds like his plan was for football to get him a college degree, basically. And – He's stuck with the plan, even if he's had to deal with some stuff. And uh, you got to respect that, man, that a, a kid that age sort of has a, a life plan that he's been able to sort of stick to. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And really motivated guy. I think a, a guy that's sort of just about business. You know, he's, he's not – he's really focused, really motivated in all his sports in the classroom and, and all those things. So – uh, have, haven't heard a, a, a negative word about the kid. His coach was really, you know, he was still measured in his comments. He wasn't just sort of blowing smoke, but he just, he really, really raved about the kid. So again, if you want to check out that full interview with all of uh, Coach Brandon McCray's comments, his head coach there at Tallahassee Godby in Florida, go check out GamecockCentral.com. Wes, everybody listening to the show and watching the show should already be a member, right? But if you're not, Maybe go subscribe, check it out, and and check out that full story on Gamecock Central. Yeah, guys, you would you would think by this point that they're all subscribers, but <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, he, of course, as I said, committed to the Gamecocks officially, publicly on Saturday, choosing them. By now, I've forgotten who the other finalists were. Um, it was West Virginia and Maryland. There it is, West Virginia and Maryland. Um, also had some offers from Cincinnati, Kentucky, Louisville, Ole Miss, Nebraska, South Florida, Virginia Tech, 
Washington State and West Virginia, to name a few, Chris. And, uh, again, a kid that they, they go into Florida, and this is something at times the state of Florida traditionally has been really good to South Carolina. There's been years that it, it hasn't been quite as good to South Carolina. And, you know, I, I just – I, I think this is a trend we're going to see with Torgan Grade, with the relationships he has down there. I think it's going to continue. We had a question from from our boy Craig in the chat about Sam McCall and if he's going to camp with South Carolina. No word on that right now, but I, I will say if you're if you're South Carolina, you've got a couple of his teammates who are locked in for official visits this summer, and McCall's not a guy. You know, if he wants to camp then yes, uh, you know, you'd love to have him down. He's not a guy you're going to require to camp by any means. You're just going to – any way you can get him on your campus, you're happy with that. And he's one – I kind of feel like, Chris, maybe I'm wrong. We're probably not going to know if he's going to take a visit. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I could just see – I could just see us being at camp and some official visitors roll in and be like, wait, is that Sam McCall? Like with him committed, I, I think if you're if you're gray, if you're the South Carolina staff, him committed to Florida State, and but his teammates coming down here, you're just like, hey man, why don't you just come too? Like why yeah. why don't you come have some great free meals, um, get the for the full tour? You haven't been able to take visits at all. Just come check it out. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, would you be at all shocked if that happens? I mean, I, I think that's the angle you take if you're South Carolina. Yeah, and you know, Tory and Gray's got a really good relationship there too with McCall. That's the that's the thing to consider. You know, remember Sam McCall was committed to Florida when Tory and Gray was there. Once it was evident that Tory and Gray wasn't going to be back with the Gators, and quickly, you know, we found out that South Carolina was going to be a major you know, coaching player to watch in terms of getting Torian Gray to Columbia, which ended up happening. The ties to Shane Beamer uh, were obvious. And so once it was evident that Gray was, you know, not going to be at Florida, you saw shortly thereafter Sam McCall reopening the recruiting process. So got a good relationship there. Javante McClendon, who is, um, you know, McCall's sort of running mate back there in the secondary at the high school uh Torian Gray is a native of Lakeland, you know, so he's he's got ties around there as well. And then you look at J-Line Glover, the four-star running back. So Glover and McClendon, as you said, Wes, already on the books for an official visit. There have been some sort of indications already that, that McCall may be in tow with those guys, but it's not really locked in. You remember he's committed to FSU. We'll see. But McCall's even publicly said, hey, I may go take some more visits. So we'll see where things go. Um, obviously there's a good relationship with, with Tori and Gray. And so have to, you know, see where things go from there. But Wes, on the larger point you made, I think you said this on Friday and, and sort of talked about it today, but the state of Florida for the Gamecocks, I really quickly looked breezed over the last several commitment lists. So I may have missed a Florida or two. So a researcher may go back and say, Chris, you, you don't have those numbers exactly right, but it looks like the last several recruiting classes for South Carolina, not a ton of Florida guys. As you said, uh, I think Friday or when, or maybe last Wednesday, you know, some classes have been better than others, but it's never been a high number from Florida. I think Muschamp's had, Musch, Will Muschamp had two, three, four, two. And, of course, last class, there are no guys from the state of Florida. Much smaller class, but no guys – 
in the high school ranks that were from the state of Florida. Or Marion Brown as a transfer from Georgia Tech is from Tampa, for instance. So you look back at some JUCO guys. There's some guys from Florida over the years, but not a high number. You go and you look at the you know, visit list for this summer. There are guys from all over, but there's already some guys from the state of Florida that are coming in, particularly the defensive back position. Yeah, and uh, I think you're you're starting to or you're continuing to see these uh, visit this visit list grow. And um, you know, I, I don't. When Beamer said that he wants guys on campus every single day in June, he I think he's gonna it's gonna be very close to getting his wish, um, in my opinion. So it'll it'll be very interesting to see because there are already guys saying oh, I'm gonna be in June one on you know on an unofficial. So. It, it'll be it'll actually be interesting to count up when this is all said and done. How many days in June South Carolina had somebody visiting their campus? And a lot of these weeks, as we know, as a lot of these a lot of these days, as we know, it's going to be big official visits and then camp days. I mean, you're going to have probably the biggest camps South Carolina has ever had. I would imagine, Chris, just because of the log jam of guys who maybe would have camped last year and, and didn't, um, they're going to be piling up now because there were no camps last year. So so very busy summer for South Carolina. And I believe – didn't Banks tell you he's he's got sort of a tentative date for his official to South Carolina as well? Yeah, I believe he said June 11th was his okay. date. I'm not mistaken. So we can probably add that one to the, to the list there. And, you know, you've got – these committed kids that have actually never, in a lot of cases, never seen South Carolina will get their first opportunity to get down and and really see the campus and get an in-depth look at the program and, and what it's all about. By the way, also in the football category for the show today, South Carolina with a quick announcement that they're going to have the Welcome Home Tour with Shane Beamer. Um, they announced the first three dates. So if, you're, if your area is not – on here don't uh, fret plenty more to come it appears uh may 25th beamer's gonna be a busy man on may 25th he's seen gonna see the florence gamecock club at 11 30 a.m myrtle beach gamecock club at 5 30 p.m and then the very next day may 26th five o'clock in greenville south carolina but um you notice chris it says more dates are expected to be added in july it did not say dates added in June, <laughs> and that is uh, for a no reason. Way. Yeah, they're going to be very, 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 very busy in June. But if you, you know, if, if you live anywhere close to those areas, uh, I would encourage you uh, if you go to GamecockCentral.com, if you look in the the comments right now on the show, if you're watching on the video stream, you can see the link to where you can get some tickets to that. And just a a good, it's a great sign for all of us that this is something that's very much closer to what a normal offseason is as far as college football goes, being able to go meet, being able to to see the, the coach speak and, and get to know him. And I'll tell you, Beam, Beamer, you know, we'll, we'll all see for ourselves what happens on the field. You know, that's to be determined. But in these settings, Shane Beamer is an absolute rock star. Mm-hmm. And I think the fans that haven't been around him before – will really cherish that that opportunity to, to go hear him speak. And from what it says, um, 
let's see, jo- let's see, join Gamecock football head coach Shane Beamer, Gamecock football staff. So maybe there's some assistant coaches mixed in there. I think that's a possibility. And the Gamecock Club for exclusive Gamecock football updates, a Q&A session, autographs, and more. So sounds like maybe a little different twist than we saw. It was the Spurs Up Tour before, right? A um, yep. little bit different deal here, but it will be a great opportunity for a lot of you to really hear from, from Beamer in person for the first time ever. It will. And, and you're right. Go back to your point there. You know, there, there's Shane Beamer has done – I mean – He's definitely done more media opportunities than any coach in any sport at South Carolina that I that I remember. You know, just in terms of the amount of um, podcasts and, and TV appearances, whatever it may be, very active on social media and a lot of things on social media. Even if he's not posting it, we've seen a lot of fans say, "Hey, I met Shane Beamer here. He took a picture with me. He talked to my kid. Whatever it may have been." And so that that's obviously a big part of his overall strategy. And when I say strategy, I don't I don't. I'm not trying to make that seem like it's it's some forced or fake thing. That's how it is, you know, but it is something that he wanted to prioritize in terms of sort of ingraining himself in the community and, and making people feel like sort of part of a family at South Carolina. And even the slogan, the slogan, slogan, I mix slogan, slogan and logo there, I guess. But the slogan that he's come up with, uh, with welcome home, you know, just to create sort of that family vibe and they end up naming obviously this tour after it. So uh, the other part I'm going to be interested in, Wes, is, is who are the guests? Who do they bring? I could see Marcus Satterfield being an interesting guest. wonder if maybe Eric Kimry will accompany him uh, to a spot or two. Of course, Jessica Jackson would be very entertaining. She has, of course, become a star in Gamecock football. As, you know, I think over social media, fans have been introduced to her a little bit more with the cruising with the coaches series and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it'll be really cool to see which other guys they're able to lock in, but I think that'll be an entertaining and, and cool event for Gamecock fans. Yeah, no doubt. Um, maybe we should get, maybe we should try to get Jessica Jackson on GC live. Like I agree. I feel like we would much rather hear from her than even hear from us. You no, know, like, no. yeah, I think she actually needs her own show, but um, I guess she's probably going to be a little busy to do that, but may, maybe we can effort that. Maybe we can make that happen. Uh, but again, that, that that's towards the end of May. You notice, Chris, by the way, I, I may have had a little inkling that these were coming because that's why I scheduled my vacation during, um, during that. So you and Colin are going to have to take care of those, I guess, but you're, you're not going to go to all three of them and just to watch during your vacation. Not during the old vacay, man. I will be sitting on the beach somewhere hanging out. Uh, all right, so let's talk a little more recruiting. A guy, Chris, that I don't think people are very familiar with because I, frankly, as well, had not been tracking him a ton. Sort of comes out of nowhere, a national guy, and, you know, that we, we actually have a, a front-page story on him as well, Jay Sean Barham. From uh, from the rivals camp on Sunday, I believe I'm assuming this is where this update was from, Chris. But a a Baltimore kid, the number 45 overall prospect in the country, the number six outside linebacker coach, or good lord, outside linebacker. Period. Sorry, I was reading the word coach, but anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this quote for y'all. Um, I'm talking to Marshawn about it, and I'm talking to Coach Mike about the school football 
how they look and what the depth chart looks like. Uh, Marshawn has been talking about how great they've been with him getting back from his injury and how they were on his side. Um, That's the partial quote to rivals this weekend. He says South Carolina, Florida, Maryland, and Penn State have been in touch with him a lot and uh, that he's going to take some unofficial visits in June. So, Chris, not a guy we've really talked about or been tracking a whole lot, but sounds like he doesn't do interviews really, doesn't talk about the process. He's not flown under the radar as a prospect because, obviously, he's a Rivals 100 kid, extremely highly rated. He has, I would say, flown under the radar as far as his interest in South Carolina. And I've got to say, if South Carolina is going to give away rewards to players at the end of the year, best offensive player, best defensive player, team MVP, um, Marshawn Lloyd is the clear favorite at this point for the needs-to-be-created best recruiter award among those on the roster because, dude, this kid has made more of an impact without actually getting on the field yet for South Carolina than maybe any kid in recent memory. Yeah, if it's a kid from that, you know, from that DMV area, more specifically, you know, from his home state of Delaware, from Maryland, where he played his high school ball. Remember, he commuted every day from Delaware to his high school in Hyattsville, Maryland, uh, DeMatha. So he knows a lot of kids around there, whether it's some kids that go to DeMatha now, kids from Delaware, uh, Debo Williams, of course, who's on the roster now, Braden Davis, who's committed to South Carolina in the 22 class. But Barham's another one from St. Francis, another big program over there in Maryland. So that's the tie. So he's reached out and, you know, can Marshawn sort of do it again and, you know, help Carolina at least get a visit? It seems like that's highly possible. Mike Peterson involved, which tells you, Wes, that you know, he's ranked as an outside linebacker. That would appear to mean that Gamecocks probably have this guy on the board as an edge-type prospect, so a hand on hand in the dirt, edge rush type guy, sort of like a Jordan Birch or a J.J. Inigbari. Um, and he's he's a talented guy. So this would be a, a significant storyline, has become a significant storyline if South Carolina can get him on campus. And uh, they may be in position to do that now this summer or this fall. What's up to Jordan, who normally says he normally joins us on the actual podcast part, and he's joining the live for the first time. So welcome in, man. Let us know if you have any questions. This is how we do it. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Of course, uh, you can always subscribe to all your whatever podcast platform you're on. If you're watching on the live, you can always listen to us later on. We'll upload it as soon as the show is over. But um, Chris, a a kid that, according to Adam Friedman, is a little bit of a homebody. Uh, Penn State and Maryland have been considered the favorites. You'd imagine probably a little bit of a long shot for South Carolina, just also with the fact that we haven't really – Heard much about him to this point, but a guy that's that big time, that highly ranked, if he's talking about your school and putting him there in the mix, then certainly worth taking a swing at, basically. You know, I think anytime that, that that's what you have to do if you're South Carolina. You have to swing for these guys. And and we've seen that. You know, you and I have talked off the air, man. There there's a lot of swinging right now as far as just going after the top prospects, not caring if you know, maybe the, all the programs you're you're in there with them are, let's be honest, in a little bit higher profile positions than you are right now, or coming off better seasons than you are right now. But to their credit, this staff is swinging for for the big time prospects. 
They are. And, and a couple of things with that. I mean, we knew that this staff was really going to prioritize that area. There's some ties there. Now, obviously, with Shane Beamer, I mean, he spent a good portion of his childhood in, in the state of Virginia under his dad at Virginia Tech. Um, and, and has maintained a lot of ties there over the years, returned as an assistant. So he knows a ton of people there. Some of the assistant coaches on the staff have ties up there. They've recruited there. You think about Torian Gray, who spent a lot of time at Virginia Tech, landing guys out of that state. You think about uh, Monterio Hardesty in the early stages of his coaching career, uh, recruited the state of Virginia. So he knows some people up there, and he's a North Carolina guy. So, you know, th- there are some natural ties up there, and, I think the staff's looking at it as an opportunity because, you know, we've heard this said before, you you look at some of those states, Maryland, Virginia, D.C., South Carolina is the closest SEC program. And so that's something they try to sell in that, hey, if you want to play in the SEC uh, at a big school, play great competition, play in a great league, here's an opportunity. Why not go take a look and it's still close to home? So with a guy like Barham, that close to home factor may weigh in more. You might find some guys who don't really care about distance. A lot of times you're going to find guys who are. And, of course, you're going to run into, you know, the issue of competition where they're going to look at some of the other big schools around them. So Penn State, they're typically going to be a big factor for guys in that DMV area that they want. Maryland's always going to try to be a factor for, obviously, a talented kid out of Maryland with Mike Loxley at the helm of the program there. So, Competition will be stiff, but if you can get a foot in the door and, and try to get a kid in for an official, you never know what may happen there. Another guy, Chris, that I would say fits sort of in that same category, but they've already um, locked in that official visit would be Keenan Nelson Jr., a kid that actually took on the top DB award at the Rivals camp in New Jersey on Sunday. He was already a Rivals 250 cornerback uh, actually right on the border for being a rivals 100 he's number 101 overall prospect in the class of 2022 four-star kid six foot 197 pound cornerback and number 13 cornerback in the country one of these big time prospects that Torian gray has south carolina fighting for and again they're fighting with one of the more local schools and um keaton nelson from philadelphia pa st joseph's high fighting with penn state here but it's long been a situation where Penn State and South Carolina have locked in official visits. He's going to take those in June. Right now, those are the only June officials that are locked in. And he kind of has a little bit of an interesting, uh, I don't know, it's going to be, I don't want to say weird, but it will be an opportunity, I think, for Penn State or South Carolina to go ahead and lock him down as far as a commitment goes because – he wants to take more officials potentially during the season, but he also wants to be at least done with the process as far as having a commitment before the season. So could you lock in a commitment and then he maybe still take some other visits? We've seen prospects do that, but at least a, a fighting chance here for South Carolina to, to maybe lock down a, a big time prospect. You, you know, he's not explicitly saying this is his top two, but just based on the actions that that may be the case here, that it's Penn State and South Carolina. And those are the two that have been around the longest, like in this conversation. Notre Dame's been in there too, but even more as of late, you know, you hear even more about Penn State and South Carolina. That is a giant water, Wes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is awesome. I saw somebody uh, at church the other day with a giant water, and that one oh, made uh, 
I wanted to just low key take a drink and see how long before one of the uh, smart, you know, what's on the chat had something to say about it. But uh, yeah. you could you couldn't pass up the opportunity, could you? Okay. It was very distracting, honestly. It took up the entire <laughs> the entire square that you had up there is just bottled joy. It's a nice bottle. It's literally bigger than my head. Yeah, and I have a big head. And and look at let let. You know, if we had not, we did not plan that. But if we had, <laughs> look at that product placement right there. That is, is Wes drinking out of an aquarium? Well, you might as well be. That is giant. And then the, the spout has to be so much smaller, like the ratio. Well, Bottle Joy, congratulations and you're welcome on the free advertising and the free product placement. Um. I mean, look at that. I mean, all the businesses have to be chomping at the bit to get to get a segment like that. That's yeah, awesome. and I I paid full cost for that too. That's not even a it's crazy a free product place. We're just we're just we're just giving out stuff left and right on the show. But no, what what was I even saying? Oh yeah, right. Keenan Nelson. Yeah, Keenan Nelson. So yeah, Penn State, South Carolina. It's it's really interesting, Wes, because I don't know if there are any other ties like this is a kid from philly you know we knew that south carolina is going to recruit that area right but and we know that you know like pete limbo for instance has ties also even farther up northeast than the ones we've been talking about in that dmv area you know new york they're recruiting addison copeland the receiver out of there recruiting several kids from pennsylvania um and and so keenan's one and the fact that south carolina is so heavily in the mix without having ever gotten this kid to campus under a new staff Pretty impressive already. Now, does that mean the land them? No, but certainly you've got you're one of the top two. It looks like schools has a good has a good chance here, and you know uh, that they're going to be able to sell early playing time and you know Tory and Gray's development and some other different things. I think the question is, can you can you hold off the in-state school, the the brand name of Penn State? We'll see if they can do it. Yeah, I think in this case, Chris, you're you're selling immediate playing time. You know, in, in this case, yeah. Like, I like, mean, I, I'm I'm trying to see. I, I think among among the DBs, and maybe pretty much among everybody at South Carolina. So uh, among all the guys, South Carolina has already locked in, and that's an official visit is scheduled. When I say locked in, and is public. Of all the public official visits right now that we know of, um, he is the highest ranked defensive player that they'll bring in. The highest ranked overall player is Oscar Dilt at this point. Uh, the, of course, big time tight end prospect. He's the number one tight end prospect in the country, number 89 overall prospect. Um, right behind him would be uh, – Traquan Figgins, who is the, the Oxford, Alabama kid that's way up there as well, number 119 overall prospect in the country. So you're, you're splitting hairs between the two. One's number 101, one's number 119. But th- those two guys are kind of on a little bit different level, at least on paper, as a prospect compared to what they have. Now, you know, you're if you're Torian Gray, you're hoping you can bring in even more guys. But as far as what's locked in right now, the two highest – rated guys that, that South Carolina is bringing in on defense. Yeah. And, and to go back to the playing time, man, I mean, it, it's, we're not even sitting in a position right here covering South Carolina where you're going, you, you remember like last year, it was sort of like, 
hey, we know J.C. Horn's moving on, right? This is before the season. It really had nothing to do with what South Carolina's record would, would end up being. You knew South Carolina's replacing J.C. Horn after the 2020 football season. He's pretty much gone, and he played very well and, and parlayed that into a top-10 NFL draft pick, which was as good as anyone could have hoped for or imagined. Um, but point is, even then, you know, okay, like that's the type of thing you could sell to a prospect saying that in the next recruiting class of, hey, we got this guy leaving. There's some openness after that. Well, South Carolina had Horn leave. Johnny Dixon transferred. Um, Israel McQuamu left. He played some corner at South Carolina. And then behind them, you have a lot of guys who haven't played a ton, like a Cam Smith who will – I'd be shocked if he was not a starter at this point at corner for South Carolina, but it's not like he's a senior, you know, right now who's played in 30 games and is going to be leaving or is even going to be around as a junior or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of openness on the depth chart right now. So prospects looking at it can go, okay, first of all, there's not even that many guys here on this depth chart. And that's at every position, nickel, corner, safety. On top of that, on top of just the sheer lack of number of guys, then you've got some guys of, okay, these guys haven't played a ton. So even if they play this year, if they start, maybe I can come in and, and supplant them. Maybe I can come in and win a job there. And so that's something that's huge when you're talking about, hey, we got immediate playing time for you in the SEC against really good competition. Come show your stuff. And if you like the coaches, if you like the school, then you just got to get them to believe in the fact that you maybe can go win some games and the academic component and all that stuff. But uh, th- this is something they're definitely seeing as an opportunity. And like you said, several DBs and several really talented DBs from from all over already on the official visit list. Jonathan in the chat on YouTube wants to know, is there anyone with horn potential this year in the secondary as far as their skill goes? I, Chris, I don't think there's anybody right now on South Carolina's campus that that it's remotely fair to put that on. You know, I'll, I'll say it like that. I mean, I agree. Cam Cam needs to have – Cam should have, needs to have a, a big year. He's going to have a huge opportunity this year. Um, but, I mean – you know, I, I think I think Dom Hill had had a good spring. I, I think he's stepped up, um, and, and I actually I think right now Cam will be a starter on at one corner spot. My guess is that Marcellus Dial and Dom Hill are sort of battling it out for that other spot. Uh, you know, the nickel. It seems like David Spalding maybe has the 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 edge right now. If you just look at the depth chart at, at the spring game. Now, I think Carlin Splatel could, could get in that mix for that spot. I think, uh, you know, maybe even a Tyreek Ross, the, the transfer, could get into that spot. But I think he's maybe more of a true safety potential. Point being, you start to get a feel for what the secondary may look like as far as who's starting. But, I mean, you're talking about someone who was literally the first defensive player taken in this year's draft. Is there anybody – at least on paper, that we look at and are going to say that's a realistic expectation for them this year to perform to that level? I don't think so, man. Like, That's not to say these guys can't outperform what is expected of them because I think if you're Torian Gray, your message is, hey, everybody's doubting you. Everybody's, you know, play with a chip on your shoulder. Nobody thinks that you're, you're going to be a strength of this team. Use that to your advantage, but to actually live up to that standard of J.C. Horn, um, 
that's what you want these guys to to aspire to. Going to be hard to actually hit that mark, I think. Yeah, just and just being realistic about it. I mean, um, if this are there some guys that have talent on the roster, yeah, but that but that's not the same as uh, what what first round pick do you have on the roster that can that can go and cover uh, the bet the other team's best receiver every week? Who can go cover? You know, T Higgins, um, Jerry Judy, <laughs> you know. Kyle Pitts, like who can go do that? You don't see that. But those those guys, I mean, J.C. Horn was literally not – he was not only the first DB, not only the first corner, the first defensive player drafted. So that shows you how highly the NFL coaches thought of him, specifically the Carolina Panthers. But this is a guy that is elite. I mean, absolutely elite. So that's a that's a tough bar to clear or even to even approach. I mean um, – even on the the country's best football teams, a lot of them, most of them, really none of them, since he was the first corner taken, none of them had a J.C. Horn. So that, that's a tough one to get to, you know. Um, I almost liken it to, you know, like Carolina's got some some talent along that defensive line. They have some guys that are going to be draft picks there eventually, uh, even at tackle. I think, like you look at a Zach Pickens, he has some NFL potential, and we'll see how he continues developing, but. Is that the same as a Javon Kinlaw? Like we knew when Javon Kinlaw left the roster, there's not another one on the roster because he's sort of a elite guy. He's a little bit more of a rare breed. So, look, I mean, South Carolina's got to get to where year in and year out they have – we talked about this extensively on a recent show, Wes. You want a bunch of high-round draft picks every year. If you're doing that, you're probably an elite program and obviously – you know, the Gamecocks are not there at this point. Chris, one more question here. And uh, I think one, you may be in a better spot to answer than me, but how good of a shot does South Carolina have with Ryan Brubaker? He's another kid that's coming in on official visit. I think his is that first weekend South Carolina's hosting kids, June 11th, four-star guy, and maybe another Penn State battle. It seems like South Carolina's going head-to-head with the Nittany Lions on Quite a few guys uh, up that way. You, I guess, would expect that considering the um, the geographical area there. So, what are, what are your thoughts on Brew Baker and where Carolina fits in here? Yeah, I mean, a good shot with him um, in in the top, you know, upper echelon. I think of some of his favorite schools, and he, he's an interesting kid. When you talk to him, he's not going to give away a ton in terms of schools he's going to say good things about most schools and but I think you sort of follow the visits there and you see South Carolina's got an official locked in and he's going to take a few this summer Penn State you know they have obvious ties not only is he kid from Pennsylvania but his father played at Penn State so there's a tie there Um, but South Carolina's staff has done a great job Pete Limbo who you know again is going to unlock some recruiting ties up in that that northern part of the country northeast uh, he he got in there. Greg Atkins, since he came on board, has done a really good job. So Brubaker's done, you know, the Zoom calls and uh, all those types of things to where he really, really likes the staff. And so now at this point, I think it's about getting him on campus. Is he comfortable with the distance? He's looking at several programs that are farther from home. He's open to leaving the state. So if you can, if you can pull him out of the state and he's open to it, then I think South Carolina's going to have a good shot. But he, he's one of those West that falls into the category of it really just depends on these summer visits and how they go. 
Yeah, Stickman, what's up, man? I, I haven't seen Stickman posting here in a while, I feel like. I hope you've been doing well. I mean, I and I, I agree with your overall sentiment here. Um, and he says, those who aren't watching on the video, just because we've not seen it on the field doesn't mean it's not there. Two years ago, no one said Horn would be the first defensive player taken in a future draft. Time reveals all. I mean, I, I think you can say that. You can say that about any team, about any program. You can say, yeah, well, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't. Like that's always going to be true, but I think when we answer that question, we're more trying to tell you on paper, like, is it likely? Um, pro- probably not. Now, is it possible some of these guys just keep developing and, and play much better? They could play much better and still not be on the level uh, of a JC Horn. And you know, my my other response to be that to that would be, okay, no one. No one maybe was saying Horn would be the first overall defensive player pick, but there was a lot of people when you first laid eyes on J.C. Horn that you'd say that guy's a future first-round pick. I mean, that's what we always say about J.C. is that this dude is a future NFL player from the moment we laid eyes on him almost. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I remember watching him in high school and we're like, dang, that guy's probably going to play in the league. Now, there, there are countless other people that you – could sort of lay out that, you know, Debo Samuel, if you want to just pick a random guy who's an NFL player now, when he came in, nobody was sitting there saying, oh, Debo is definitely going to play in the NFL. There were people that were high on him as a player, don't get me wrong, but not to that extent. So, yes, there are guys that that develop to that level. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. I agree with that. Uh, Jonathan says, I don't understand why Ernest Jones was so quick to leave the team. Well, he got picked. I mean, Ernest was, what, third round? Yeah. So, seems to me like Ernest made the right decision as far as that goes. Obviously, for South Carolina, you'd love to have him back. But as far as Ernest Jones goes, I think he's probably pretty happy with, with that move, Chris. Yeah, I don't know. It, it Again, that's one of those things that's hard to predict. You know, if let's say he'd come back for his senior year and he played extraordinarily well. Is Ernest Jones, was he ever going to be that – be a guy that would have gotten to that first round mark. I don't know, Wes, just because a lot of times when you're looking at those first rounder types, normally you're getting sort of those freak type athletes, right? Um, so Ernest put up better, I think, in my opinion, I'll just speak for myself. He put up, I think, better testing numbers than I had anticipated. And I think that helped him. Um, as the draft process sort of continued, as the draft got closer and closer, he's someone that started rising on draft boards. You started hearing from a lot of NFL people. They really like this guy, really like this guy. And he tested well at the pro day at South Carolina, and that continued. So he stood, he, he did really well. I mean, you look at – let's just go to, here to, you know, the, the results of the draft. Micah Parsons was taken number 12 from Penn State. And, and he's more of a pass rushing linebacker type, but Wes, I think that kid runs like a four three or something. Oh yeah, he is a freak, absolute freak. Like he's almost yeah. as fast as Chris Clark. Like he's <laughs> there. You got to stop that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, at sixteen, Xavier Collins from Tulsa, who I think won or was up for a bunch of national awards. He was excellent. Jamin Davis from Kentucky went um, as a linebacker, and I think it, you know. What I recall of him, I think he could sort of play either, but he might be a true, you know, linebacker type. That was it in the first round. Um, I don't have the second round in front of me, but you, you get the point, you know, in that 
Um, you know, when you're one of the top, you know, you got to look at what your ceiling is coming back. You always have to weigh, will he get injured? Well, even if you come back and you play very well, will you improve your stock anymore if you're thinking about the draft? Some guys have different motivations, like just to use a local example, sorry it's a little bit painful for Gamecock fans, but Travis Etienne, he came back. He still was a first-round pick. Did he really raise his stock any? I don't know. He might have still been a first-round pick after his junior year. Maybe he raised it a little. Heck, maybe he even lowered it a little. But he was around there, so he calculated that decision. He, he stayed healthy. For Ernest, I mean, I'm looking here at the second round. Yeah, I see – after that first round, I see Jeremiah Wosu Karamoa from Notre Dame who went in the second round, Nick Bolton from Missouri who is an outstanding player, and Pete Werner from Ohio State. Those guys went in the second round. Then you get in the third. Chaz Surratt goes. Monty Rice goes from Georgia. And then Ernest. So he was, I mean, I can't remember how many guys I listed, Wes, but he was in the top, what, 12 in the draft at his position? That's pretty good. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Ernest comes back for his senior year and he's a little bit higher in the third round. Maybe he gets into the second. But I don't think, I don't look at it as saying, man, he made a terrible decision. It's not worth the risk at that point, in my opinion. It might not be. And, And he goes to a good team, good organization. Um, he's going to have a good shot at playing a lot there, and he goes in the top three rounds. That, that's pretty doggone good, I think. And they nailed their evaluation of him, Chris. One of the things that uh, that was reported from the people who cover L.A. was that basically they had him way up their board as being a locker room leader type guy. And anybody that was following this program knows that was one of his greatest strengths, is he's a locker room face of your defense type yep. kids. So I think that they nailed that eval. Yeah. I think the, the great, I mean, if you're a third round pick, man, I, I think I tend to think and to date, like I, I saw somebody said, well, Spurrier used to say, if you're not projected in the first two rounds, you should stick around. That's a decent rule of thumb, but I would say things have changed a little bit since then, as far as compensation, as far as what players deserve and that, Hey, that, that we're a lot more open to this idea of guys leaving after three years, I think, than we were even 10 years ago. So to me, if you, if you go in the third round and you weren't even projected, like I think people probably when Ernest said he was leaving, were like, you sure about that? <laughs> because they thought he was leaving to be like sixth or seventh, maybe. Right. That's the key. But, um, you're a third-round pick and at a good organization. I, I don't think that's worth the risk. And the, you're losing a year of compensation. And it's a it's an act – I mean, the risk of just blowing out your knee. For a guy that has been – he's played through being banged up several times uh, during his time at, at South Carolina. So I, I tend to think it was a pretty, pretty good call there. Uh, Stickman wants to know if there's anything new with linebacker recruits. I said Xavier Simmons, Torin Wright, Stone Blanton, Abdul Carter. It's a good list you got there, man. Uh, South Carolina really likes all those guys you mentioned. I don't know that there's a whole lot new there, though, Chris. I, I know Blanton is is already locked in on the June officials. They will work to, um, of course, try to get uh, more guys in for, for June. But I don't know if there's a whole heck of a lot new 
as far as linebacker recruiting goes, other than the negative from South Carolina's side is that Jalen Sneed, the best in-state linebacker, is a bit of a long shot at this time. Yeah, like you said, Blanton locked in for an official. They, they've been recruiting those other guys. Abdul Carter, a guy that's a little bit of sort of, sort of a ghost on the trail, but someone to keep in mind. It's really hard to get a, a read on, you know, what will he maybe visit, what's going on with this recruitment. A little bit tougher to run down, but a guy they have communicated with, Simmons and Wright being a couple guys out of North Carolina that are on the board. But like you said, not, nothing terribly new there. I think I would anticipate more – you know, visits being scheduled into this summer, into this fall, seeing some guys in camp, and then going from there. Oh, uh, let's see. We got anything? Stickman says so. Chris has a nice forty time, huh? He wants to get you on the laser, man. No thanks. Yeah, the, the no. laser does not lie. It doesn't lie. The, uh, the scary thing yeah. there. All right, so yeah, let's close it out with a little more baseball talk, man. They they get what they needed this weekend. They get good news on Friday. That's that they are still in the running for a top 16 seed, basically a host site. Then they went – I think you're sitting there saying, well, if they, they just need to take care of business, win two out of three. They win all three games. I felt like in dominant fashion, man. Like South yeah. Carolina really just took care of business. There weren't really any games that were incredibly close – Kentucky maybe chipped away at some leads along the way, but for the most part, South Carolina controlled these games. And, you know, I, I think put themselves in a position for one, you know, the SEC network, they kept putting up that graphic. I've seen it several times now where 76% of the teams that win 15 SEC games in a regular season go to the tournament. Yeah. The, the big dance, the NCAA tournament. Well, I think if you're South Carolina, right now you have the number three strength of schedule in the country. So I think this weekend checked off the postseason box. Like South Carolina will be in the postseason. They were projected to be in the entire time. But I I think this weekend locked it in, locked it up. Once you get to 16 SEC wins, 100% of the teams ever – have made it to postseason play. So now you, you go into this weekend. You have essentially a chance to get another marquee victory. If you take two out of three, you're at 17 SEC wins for the season in the in regular season play. And, dude, that may very well, assuming you just don't go two and Q at the SEC baseball tournament, that may put you as maybe that last of the the 16 teams. Obviously it's not in a vacuum. It's not a situation where, you know, you got to see what the other teams are going to do. And I don't know exactly what teams are are on that bubble among the 20 either, but I I just pulled up a a couple minutes ago, the the live RPI and South Carolina currently sits with the number 11 RPI in the country. So that RPI is really going to help continue to help prop up their, their resume. It is, and, you know, when you look through, I mean, Wes, off the top of your head, I mean, how many series has this team dropped over the course of the year? They they lost one, obviously, to Mississippi State. The only sweep uh, on this team's ledger is Ole Miss, and then they lost the Arkansas series. In Texas. In Texas. And, and that was, yeah, that was a sweep. I was thinking conference. So two sweeps, right? Um, 
both against really good teams. It's not like you got swept by, you know, whoever. Um, and they've won a bunch of series. And they've won some series against some good teams. You know, now Tennessee, a, a really, really good ball club. If you can go and you can, like you said, take two from those guys, you've got a really good case. The RPI number is super high. The strength of schedule is super tough. If they close out the, the year by taking care of a midweeker against App State, which I think they – I still think they really need to do that because it's not, you know, they're, what did we say the other day? App State's two and 20 something against quad one through three. You need, you need to win that game just to make sure that it doesn't become an issue for you. And then you go win two of three at home against Tennessee. If they don't make you a, a, a 16, you know, one of those 16, you got a legitimate gripe. You never know. Like you said, doesn't happen in a vacuum. You never know, but you've made a, a good solid case. Uh, over the course of your entire body of work, over the course of the year. And I think, Wes, did South Carolina – I know Kentucky's not the best team they have faced or even will face. Tennessee's going to be a bigger challenge, in my opinion. Did they figure out this pitching rotation with, with the move of Brett Carey? Obviously, <laughs> the, fir- the first part of that experiment was uh, could not have gone any better with a complete game four hitter on, on 94 pitches. But moving him to Saturday – Thomas Farr is on Sunday, and Thomas Farr, Wes, probably out of your starters, still has the best stuff, right, like as far as a stuff guy. And Brandon Jordan's obviously pitched well this year, so your, your Friday guy. So intriguing move, and, it, and if maybe it came at, at just the right time for this team, I guess is the point. Yeah, by the way, we got a lot of people throwing money at the possibility of you running a 40-yard dash, Chris. So maybe well, we'll make that happen at some point. Yeah, and, and here's – I've had this idea, Wes. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it on the show. We're getting off topic of, on the baseball team. I, I sort of wanted to do a – maybe some type of – we're going to do – because we're going to do our 40 this summer, right? As long as Shane Beamer gives his blessing, maybe we have to sign a form to where, you know, we pass out in the indoor or something like that. They're, you know, not responsible. But maybe we do this as some kind of fundraiser or something. I think that'd be a pretty cool idea. Well, apparently uh, Pearson Fowler wants in on this. Like, there's been yeah. some, there's been some talk about getting some other media folks involved. Um, I think maybe Mike Yuva uh, would be in, would want to get involved. So, I mean, there's That's a little bit. I, I'm wondering about the speed there. What former college DB? Yeah. Well, don't you want to find out? Like, I do want to find out. I don't want to find out by losing badly, though. You know. Yeah. Sure. Well, Might need some like analysis like beforehand get a better idea what you're doing. I don't know man all that pizza he eats like he can't be that fast it's true anyway <laughs> anyway um what was I about to say we, we were completely off topic but we're oh, talking about baseball and then I went yeah right. so 11 in the RPI right now Tennessee is nine so if you take two of three from them you're potentially swapping places but, uh, there yeah. So if you're the number nine, and, and I think RPI is driving this thing a lot, it, it seems. If you're the number nine team, as far as RPI goes, you, you got a case there. Uh, now, as far as the move to Brett Carey, I, I think I think it was it was clearly the right move with the way it worked out. But we also have to remember that weakens your bullpen quite a bit, in, in my opinion. Now, I, you know, Will Sanders is, is, I think, is a future Friday guy. 
But I, as much as we have talked about how much depth is in this uh, this pitching rotation and bullpen for South Carolina this year, you lose Kerry, who I just like the fact you could use him in so many different ways, and Jack Mahoney is out for the year. So that, that was a guy that I always thought – I thought maybe Mahoney, as the season progressed, you know, he either could still give you like that fourth start – or the way I thought his stuff played, his his attitude to me comes across like a, a late inning reliever. So you've actually lost some some depth that you have there. Correct. I don't know if you go in like Julian Bosnick, his stuff is outstanding. He's got closer type stuff, but I don't you're not you're not feeling quite as good about anybody else as you are saying, Hey Brett Carey, go get the last six outs of this game. So there's give, there's take. You know, yep. there. So so we'll see how South Carolina handles that moving forward. Now, sometimes, especially if you lose a game, sometimes you need you need four starters. So, you know, in postseason play. So now, you know, that that's maybe your four starters right there, Kerry and then Sanders, but you're you're gonna need Sanders in you know, you're gonna need Sanders out of the bullpen and, and to pitch very, very well. You need Andrew Peters to pitch well. You're gonna need I would say a couple of your other bullpen guys that just sort of step up moving forward. It's a great point. It does limit your options more. I think, um, you know, the, the trade-off there, Mark Kingston, Skyler Mead going through it is they felt evidently that it was more important that they solve the starter problem, which makes sense. And and then you obviously got to hope that, look, what happened in the Kentucky series is, is your starters pitch really well, your bats come alive. And then you build up a cushion. You look at Sunday's game, obviously, South Carolina jumps out to a, a nice lead. The bats were going. Kentucky did chip away, as you said, in a couple of different instances. But South Carolina was able to limit that damage. Peters, you know, and Bosnick, they were a little bit erratic in that game. Uh, but they were also able to pitch out of a little bit of trouble and things like that. So that's what they're going to need. That the, the options have limited out of the bullpen to so the guys that you are bringing you, you do have a lower margin for error there. No doubt. Uh, all right, y'all. I think that's going to do it for today's show. That's uh, a little over an hour. Appreciate everybody that joined us. Uh, hopefully, if you if you missed the beginning, you can go back, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. Or, of course, the audio is always on our podcast page, uh, Gamecock Central Podcast. Search for that on any of the major podcast platforms, whether that is Apple or um, Android or, or really anything else. You'll find it on there. For Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate all the support, and we'll see you all on Wednesday. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.